is LeBron James an anti-Semite, or does he just think we should stop talking about anti-Semitism because black pain is much more important than Jewish pain? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. The latest left, right, and center podcast had a couple interesting things. Well, first off, I highly recommend that podcast, but here's how you listen to it. And the format changes, but right now they do like 20 to 25 minutes of some woke expert who is completely wrong about stuff. So you just skip past that. What you look for is the commercials, right? When you find the commercial, you know you've gotten past a segment. And then that podcast is all about having, or supposed to be about having, someone in the middle, and then someone to the left of them, and someone to the right of them, and then you discuss a subject, and you you get all perspectives. And I don't know if it was always like that, but they had Josh Barrow on there as the middle, or the center, and... It you know that it, it truly was what I just described there uh, for years, but anyways, now they put a far left person in the middle, but they do have a relatively right wing person on there. So you know now you got two lefties and a right, which is a hell of a lot more right than other shows. And obviously, it's not a right wing person who supports Trump. No, no beyond the pale right wing person. But anyways, Sarah Isker, look for her. Any any podcast she's on, it's gold. She has one called Advisory Opinions. It's a legal one. She's a Harvard lawyer. Um, if that sounds good to you, check that one out too. It's good. But so the the expert that they got on for the first 25 minutes that I, I listened to 10 minutes of it to see. Anyways, she was talking about police reform. And this is a Georgetown law professor. So, you know, just one of the most highfalutin, smartest, blah, blah, blah in the world. And I, I listened to it for 10 minutes and I was like, I want to hear one concrete example of what police reform means. And the answer was, she did not provide one in the first 10 minutes, and so I was, uh, I was like, I don't think she's going to provide any later, so I, that's when I skipped. I mean, you know, super educated, she's a woke piece of shit. Basically, all she was saying is that police need to do more good stuff, and they need to do less bad stuff. You know, what that is, you know, she just assumes you know in your head what that means. You know, George Floyd, we all know what that means. I'm not going to provide examples. And I will say, like, I like to parse the language, and... People are being more careful. So, like, you know, she wrote an article that was the impetus for this interview. And she's like, people see a cop do something to a black man on TV and they want change. Right? She doesn't say, oh, based on these metrics, the police need to change. So, you know, it was a true statement. It was a true statement that the population believes a bunch of false stuff and they want change. But obviously she does not put it that way. And then they got to the panel, which is the part of the Sarah's on that I love, and they were talking about anti-Semitism. And so the, well, the main guy, the center, the fucking middle center, he's like, I just want to blame Donald Trump. And he just comes out and says it. I mean, I mean, that's fine. Instead of uh, lying, I like it. Instead of subterfuge, he just says, he's like, I want to blame Donald Trump, but maybe there's more anti-Semitism than just that. Obviously providing zero examples. And then Sarah just, when she gets the mic, she goes off on him and puts the hammer down. And she's like, the left is crazy anti-Semitic. And she provides a bunch of examples. You know, one side is like, yeah, it's the people on the right. And I don't have to provide examples because I'm on the left. And we don't provide examples. And we, we win. We win by not providing examples. And then she's like, I'm on the right. And here's examples. And we're losing. But everything I say is true. And here's proof of it. And she even works in a reference to that gay club shooting the other week where the shooter was gay, or sorry, queer. 
And she got complete silence from the, the lefties on that one. They probably weren't aware of it, and they don't want to engage anyways. I'm sure they're all on record saying that it was a right-wing conspiracy murderer, and, uh, and, now, and now they'd like to just move on, now that they know it's a queer shooter. But that was just a fun thing. For, I'm sure 99% of NPR listeners, that was news to them. They're like, what? It was a queer? A person who is queer? People first. But so the big-time anti-Semites in the news right now are obviously Kanye West, musician, and Kyrie Irving, basketball superstar, who, as Donald Trump put it the other day, just happened to be black. But obviously, you know, this is hardcore lefty, well, pretty hardcore lefty NPR, so, like, when they let off the segment, they're like, okay, you know, Kanye West went on Alex Jones and said a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff. And then they could have just said, and then Kyrie Irving said a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff, and they just happened to be black anyways. So they went looking around for a right-wing anti-Semite to throw into the mix. And I assume that, you know, some employee, some intern who makes... $50 an hour, unless it's someone else who makes $100 an hour, they went and, like, you know, scoured the news items or whatever to find a right-wing anti-Semite. We we can't just say it's a couple black guys being anti-Semitic. We need to find a right-wing Republican anti-Semite. And so they did, I guess. And it was the guy who lost the governor's race in Pennsylvania recently. And I forget how they described They didn't say what he said. They're like... Oh, you know, it was, you know, if you read between the lines, you could tell that that guy was an anti-Semite. So I don't even know if that guy was, but apparently that was the best they could come up with. That was interesting. When I hear people talk about Nick Fuentes now, um, they all say he's a Holocaust denier. And so I assume that's the best or the worst thing that he's ever said. But so here was the thing that I didn't quite realize what's going on. I mean, I think I, I might have even said it, but without realizing it. But, you know, since George Floyd... America is obsessed with anti-black racism. You know, they're, they're looking under every rock and finding it, even when it doesn't exist. Or it, when it never exists. It never exists, but they find it under every rock. And so Sarah, she's saying, you know, we're going to have to walk and chew gum. Um, we're going to have to fight anti-black racism. And we're going to have to fight anti-Semitism at the same time. And then David Green, the so-called center, he's like... Uh, no, we need to not worry about anti-Semitism, and we need to fight anti-black racism. I mean, I'm sure he believes it's super common. If it was as common as that guy believes, then he'd be right. But it isn't common, so he's wrong. But here's how he worked it in. Um, you know, she's like, we got to fight both of them. And he's like, screw that, we need to fight only one of them. And I guess Jews can, you know, sit and spin. But he brought up, there's a, there's a photograph of Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys football team. 65 years ago, when he was 14 years old, he was in a crowd of white people who I think were standing, white kids, white high school kids, I don't know, freshmen? How old are you? I guess a bunch of high school freshmen were standing in front of some black students who were going to the high school because it was being integrated. And like, he wasn't, you know, he's probably... The crowd, it's not a huge crowd, but anyways, it probably the crowd probably goes seven people deep. He's probably in the fifth row back. You know, he wasn't there, like, going chest to chest with black students who are supposed to go to the school. He was a ways back, didn't have an angry look on his face, watching. Well, or, you know, or being part of the crowd. I mean, who knows? What he says is he just went there to see what was going on, and he didn't really understand what was going on, and... Whatever. And it was 65, and by the way, it was 65 years ago, and by the way, I was 14. 
That's his excuse. You can decide if that's a good excuse or not. I guess I'll put my opinion here. That's a pretty good excuse. It's not a perfect excuse. Luckily for him, he's crazy rich. I think here's the answer. It's a good enough excuse where him and his position, he's not going to get canceled over it. So that's part of the story because the other day in probably an after-game interview, LeBron James was asked about Kyrie Irving and his anti-Semitism. And LeBron James said, why do you, why you keep asking me about Kyrie Irving and his anti-Semitism? Why don't you ask me about Jerry Jones and his racism? That's what you should be asking me about. You never, the media, they never ever give black people a fair shake. They never ever point out anti-black racism. Why are you doing this double standard, you white supremacist? Why don't you ask me about Jerry Jones? I did a podcast probably over a year ago talking about how LeBron James said that he was afraid every time he stepped out of his door, he was afraid that a cop was going to kill him. And it's like, uh, you're stepping out of your $20 million mansion and getting into your Ferrari where you wear a mask, if you remember that. Uh, you know, if a cop pulls you over, they should be the one afraid. But anyways, you know, just, that's how people, pe- people's brains are not rational. So even though, even though he has complete and utter power, he's one of the most powerful people in the universe, uh, he's like, the cops are going to kill me. You know, and that's what the media told him. The media, in all fairness, the media told him that the cops were going to kill him. He's like, oh my God. And so there's a couple options, I think, for LeBron James saying what he said. And they might, I think they're probably both true. But one of them is, he's just an anti-Semite too. And I bet that's true. But if it ain't that, the other one is, hey, don't you know that, you know, black pain trumps all other types of pain, you know, intersectionality. Every, you know, everyone in the world can be broken down into groups, and then their pain can be ranked, and black pain is the most important pain. And if you talk about some other kind of pain, like Jewish pain, then you're just distracting from the important black pain. And like I said the other day, uh, half of the NBA owners are Jewish, and the people who run the NBA are also all Jewish. So, you know, I think NBA players are not super fond of Jews, because that's who's across the table of them when they do their salary negotiations. But in any case, the guy who's supposed to be playing the center, he brought up that story, and then he tried to divert the whole conversation over talking about, you know, how America's racist and black pain. And uh, I'll tell you what, the guy who's on the left, or they call him on the left, and then the girl on the right is like, uh, you know, we were just talking. <laughs> Why are you already trying to stop this conversation about that started about anti-Semitism and turn it into a conversation about black pain? Uh, let's go back to anti-Semitism. And so I guess LeBron has a little bit of a point. Uh, if you talk about other groups' pain, you are detracting from, you know, he has a group that he likes. LeBron has a group that he likes. Surprise, surprise, it's black people. And he cares about that group's pain. And obviously none of them had the balls to say, you know what, we didn't even know that that losing politician in Pennsylvania was an anti-Semite, but we did notice that both of the famous anti-Semites in the news today are black. And you can't say that because you might start looking up the stats and I, you know, and find out that black people are just the most anti-Semitic group in America. And I'm sure there's like white supremacists who are anti-Semitic, but... That's not a group. Or you could just say, white anti-Semites are the most anti-Semitic group in America. But, you know, that's... Like I said, Kanye West was on the Alex Jones show yesterday. 
and he was like saying stuff like Hitler was a righteous dude. And if you watch the video, he did all of this while wearing like a, it's kind of like a stocking that a bank robber wears, except that you can't see through it at all. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's part of his fashion line or something. He's done this before, but he goes around wearing like, like a, a thing that covers his entire head and neck. I mean, it's freaking weird. I mean, he looks like a crazy person sitting there saying, saying that he likes Hitler. All right. And then the guy on the left on the show, he had to say something other than, hey, anti-Semitism is bad too, because that was almost all he said. But then he, he also did call for um, censorship. You know, he said, Elon Musk is evil and we need to censor the internet because of right-wing something-something. And I was feeling kind of despondent about Elon Musk doing what he wants with Twitter because, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon are going to shut his ass down. But no, no particular examples, but I'm feeling a little better about that. And the United States men's soccer team made it to the next round, which is rare and unusual and pretty cool. And it's interesting, they have a player, African-American, yeah, I guess so, uh, named Weah, W-E-A-H, last name. And his dad is the president of Liberia. And so I don't remember their first names, but anyways, the dad, he was like a, a soccer superstar in Europe in, the, I think, the 90s. One, like, player of the year one time. And somehow he must have lived in America and had his kid there, so that's how the kid is on the... Um, U.S. soccer team. Maybe the mom is American. Probably. But then, apparently, he's the first soccer player to ever become the president of a country because he went back to Liberia and became a country. And do you know what Liberia is? Like, I knew what it was, and then I heard that, and I forgot, and I had to look it up. But back in the day, it must have been been after the Civil War, um, some people got the idea, you know, kind of like back to Africa, but for real. And so... They took a bunch of slaves. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if white people took the slaves or the slaves asked for money. I mean, I'm sure white people paid for it. Anyways, a bunch of black people moved back to Africa and started their own country. And that country is called Liberia. They speak English. I mean, you know, relatively speaking. And Liberia stands for liberty. It's just another, whatever, like, what are we going to name this place? They could have named it Liberty. I think that'd be better. But they named it Liberia. And then the capital of Liberia, the city, is called Monrovia, named after James Monroe, the whatever president. And the people there are poor, but I'll tell you, I went and watched um, some travel videos of people visiting Liberia, and it uh, it didn't look that bad. I mean, it looked like poor people, but it didn't it didn't look it didn't look that dangerous. Like Haiti looked terrible. South Sudan looked terrible. There's a couple of countries I talked about on this podcast recently looked way better than those. It reminded me, when I was a kid, I think when I was 10 years old, I went to Mexico for like a week or something and went, you know, and didn't didn't stay in a resort. Went all around in the, not shithole, just the, whatever, just, you know, in, in bar, um, Mercados. When I was a kid, you know, I had like $100 or something that my grandma gave me to go on this trip and everything was super cheap. I went, I went to Mexico twice, when I was 10 and when I was 13. And when I was 10... The American dollar was king, and I could buy anything I wanted. It was amazing. And when I went back there, like, three years later, the exchange rate had changed, and, you know, just as expensive as America. But anyways, when I was 10, I used to love to go to the Mercados, which are just these funky Mexican marketplaces. 
And you could buy like little cap guns and little fireworks, just stuff that you stuff you couldn't get in America. It was cool. It was cool. It was dirt cheap. And that's how Liberia reminded me. It looks like they're they're about as good as Mexico in '83, which is to say, I was with my mom, so a woman and a little boy could walk around safely, and no one got raped. But anyways, the son is on the men's team, and I think he scored a goal the other day. And then the men's team is moving on, so that's cool. And I think I mentioned, like, I'm not watching the whole games. Just go to YouTube, and Fox Soccer uh, gives you five-minute versions of every game. Just watch those. So 20 minutes, four games a day, or at least there has been. In 20 minutes, you can be completely caught up on everything going on in the World Cup. And that's what I'm doing, and I feel very worldly and like a sophisticated individual now that I know what's going on in the the World Cup and I heard from my friend who's a train conductor and he is not happy with the bargaining agree collective bargaining agreement that the Biden administration has forced on the railway workers I wasn't sure what he's gonna say but he does not like it and it's just funny I think I think Union Joe might have been one nickname that Biden liked for himself but him and all the Democrats put the hammer down on the railway union and said, bend over this barrel, we're going to stick something into some place you won't like. And so I did some trolling on Facebook with this the other day. But basically, you know, the Democratic Party is like, we'll do whatever you say, teachers union, because the only people who get screwed over in that situation is kids. But then when it comes to the railroads, they're like, we'll do whatever you say, railroad companies, because the only people who get screwed over in this thing is workers. And the player captain, who's kind of the spokesman for the men's team, is a young guy named Adams, I think 23, mixed race. White mom, never knew his black dad, I think. But the U.S. played Iran, you know, Iran is having protests right now, and so it's kind of a, there's political undercurrents with this game. And so the Iran, an, an Iranian reporter asked him, how does it feel to play for a country that discriminates against people that look like you? And Adam said, there's discrimination all across the world, and America is making progress. And David Green did not like that answer. The, the center who's a lefty needed not like that answer. Why are you asking these people? They might give you the wrong answer. Shut up and dribble. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.